welcome adventurer to the Level Up Board Game Podcast, a show that uses your experiences and opinions to discuss board games and the gaming community. Join the heroes as they conquer perils such as meeples, cards, and miniatures, all in an effort to level up. You're listening to the Level Up Board Game Podcast. Hey, adventurers, welcome to episode 119 of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. A little side quest, a big side quest, in fact, where we're going to go down the best games of 2023. We got something like 50 on them. This is going to be a big episode. This is just Patrick. Hey, King Scott here. Hello, love. It's your dong merchant. It's the Explorer, Josh. And it's Teacher Ryan for this party of five. Josh, why did you yell it? Look, what do you mean? He's got, he's he's got knives behind him. He has a lot I mean, of knives behind him. Do not I, question it. I like the excitement level, but you can't yell into the mic or it makes it pop and it makes editing a nightmare. This is Explore Josh, and uh, I'm here now. Yeah. Well, you sound way, don't, way don't more that. murdery. So much more murdery. <laughs> the visual in that voice is creeping me the hell out. I was All going right. for like a crocodile hunter meets like Jack the Ripper. It was just pure 100% murder. Here's what I want to do today. Tracks. Way off the track. Let me, I'm, I'm, I'll be that. I'm going to MC. Let's do it that way. Here's what we're going to do. We have, I, I say the top 50. It's something like 47 games we're going to go down. Adventures. This is a culmination of like everyone else's top 10 lists plus ours. So I've watched the Dice Towers top 10, Man vs. Me, but you name it. I've watched their top 10 and I've read their top 10s, listened to them, and we just threw them all on this list. What a nerd. What we talk. You know what? I'm cool. All right. I play sports. Yeah, just because you ran one race, okay? (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be milking that for the next 20 years. Yes, yes. Well, back before the war when I was a runner. (laughs) All right. And when we're done, I want to talk about our favorite game of the year, a game that we haven't played, but we're really jonesing to, and also an underrated game. We're ready, gentlemen. Get your your coffee cup ready. We're going to be here a while. Oh. (laughs) And adventurers, you can't see this like we can, but as you know, King Scott is doing a Marilyn Monroe stage adaptation, and he is wearing the dress. And wow, <laughs> it is glorious. so freeing. Once I just got used to it, I just feel whole now. What's so impressive not- is you have that permanent updraft going, so we just you know see you holding that dress down the whole time. Little fans yeah. on my shoes. Yeah, so from now on, you need to send adventurers pictures that say you just leveled up with you in that classic Marilyn Monroe pose. <laughs> so that's the picture you send now. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Starting with the first one on the list, we're going to go ABC order, starting with Age of Innovation. This one's the sort of the remake of Terra Mystica. I noticed nobody put a check mark on I've played it or want to talk about it. I like it. to play it. Roaring start. So I'm looking at the list, guys. I see the very first one. It's like, wow, nobody uh, nobody has played it nor wants to say anything about it. This is going to be an interesting start. Okay, next. Why don't we go hey. with the ones that do have marks? <laughs> whoa, 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 Scott, look. This is not your rodeo, all right? Oh. Patrick it says is. we're going to go down all of these games, and no matter what, that is what we're going to do. We cannot take away his authority like There's that. no deviation. All right, let's kick to one that uh, that we have. Uh, well, at least I've played Ancient Knowledge. Uh, Ancient Knowledge is a little card game. It's a tableau builder where you're progressively losing knowledge as cards slide out of your tableau. But they do things when they enter your tableau and as they slide. And while they're in the, we'll call it the discard stack, you trigger things from there. You can draw more cards depending on what's in the discard stack. Interesting game and uh, glad to see it getting some recognition. 
Who put Anunnaki, Dawn of the Gods on here? That was me. I mean, that was a big surprise this year. It it, it was a Forex game, and it wasn't one that I was greatly anticipating, but it was on the table at one point in time. They asked me to play, and I said, sure. After playing it, it was really good, actually. It's, it's supposed to be a Forex, like I said, but it's more like a 3.5 because of the lack of exploration in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, everyone plays this nation, and apparently it's in the, a dystopian past like the world is dying and you're calling upon your gods to help you travel to Gaia to settle in this new place. And like the gods are like the the traditional Egyptian gods, Roman gods and everything. But the one thing that really brought me into this game was the action selection mechanic. On every player board, there's like a pentagonal diagram that has all sorts of paths connecting the little points in it. And you're moving this pawn to whatever action you want to do. You don't have to follow a path. But if you do follow a path, you start to fill in that path with these cubes the more cubes you put into it, eventually you can surround uh, mm-hmm. an entire token, which are these god tokens. And then eventually, if you surround them completely, you can summer, summon one of your minor gods and even your major god if you completely surround like the main center area. They give you like all sorts of ongoing benefits. Their power is quite huge. They push you up these tracks. Um, there's three different tracks in the game. And that's like military, technology, and the third one. <laughs> but the, the, other uh, one. The, ga- the third one... DuckTales fans will know what that is. But anyway, the game ends after someone ends up on the very end of those paths. Thank you very much. It's a really awesome game. I want to play it again. And this time I want to try the Japanese gods because the first time I was the Egyptian gods and it was really, really cool. You you know, I do have one bit of experience with this. I was at a small local, well, so yeah, local convention recently. And I saw the box. And you know what? It's too damn big. It is. Also, the color matching on some of those components on the inside is a joke. The component quality of the board is not that great either. Like we could visually watch it like, you know, watching grass grow. But like this one was even faster. You could physically watch the player board, like start caving in on itself. And so like started forming a U. Jeez. So game of the year. Right. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we've got Apiary from Stonemaier Games. This is the B game. Uh, I haven't played it yet. I saw it. It it packs. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. It's just not sucking me in. I'm interested. I'll play it, but I'm not like jonesing for it. If I happen to be next to someone setting it up, looking for players. Yeah, I'm in. But otherwise, uh, it just it didn't pull me in. I wasn't rushing to get my copy. Any of you guys play this one? I just played that, too. It's pretty fun. I enjoy. I mean, I was Queen B, so that's all that really matters. I should stop. Never play again. But Mm -hmm. it's pretty fun. It's got to do some interesting stuff with the leveling up of the workers and Kind of making your 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 bee butt wiggle dances and it's clever. I I would play it again. I wasn't in love with it, but I would play it again. Yeah, yeah two players. It didn't really catch me. Uh, I do want to try it again at a, a higher player count. But yeah, as it stands, it it's it's a simple enough worker placement game. It basically dictates everything that you want to do. Like you place a bee on a thing and you add up the power of it, and that's how much power you use to do stuff on different actions. But that's pretty much what the game is. Yeah, it's one that I'm from the past work of Stonemaier Games and everything. You know that a lot of them are good. I'm probably 80% of them are good. I just want to see it. I mean, the idea of space bees, come on, that, that's got to be cool in somebody's book. It is. It was a. Uh, it was deemed the best game about bees in space that you'll ever play. <laughs> awesome. See right there. There you go. There you go. It, it's on the top of the list, guys. Next one's Arborea. This one we reviewed just uh, like an episode and a half ago. Arborea is uh, it's a worker placement game with an element of time. What with the time tracks where you place a worker and you slide your tracks in, and then the further in they go towards the center of the board, the more things they're going to get to trigger whenever you decide to use them, take the action, and 
move them off of that track and onto a path and they go over these symbols. You resolve one after the next, after the next, and ultimately return that worker back to your player board to eventually be redeployed out to the main board. Scott, I think you and I both gave this one a, a pretty good review. It's busy, but I liked it. Yeah, Arborea is very busy. I, I think I used the word artistic vomit a couple times. It's something that I'd like to go back and try because I think that the mechanics are there. I think it's very interesting. And I want to give it another try because learning it, there's a lot going on. And once you kind of get the idea of what you're doing, it would be a little bit more fun now to go back and actually kick the tires, check the wheels, check the oil, all that kind of stuff on it, and really get into playing the game. Like when I first saw this game too, it looked a lot like the game Butoku. Butoku is very busy looking and it's also a lot of things that you have to do. This one, I'd say it's a little easier than Butoku. As soon as you understand the four steps, the water are actually also printed on the board. It's not terrible at all. This is another one where I'd want to play this at higher than a two player count, but we'll see where it goes from there. Notably, we did say, well, I said in the review, I wouldn't play that. It plays up to five, right? And it is a lengthy play. we did, uh, we did a four-player game once, and it was like, oh, my goodness, I'm done with this. Loved it, but that last like 20%, I was, I was over it. I'd want to play it at three. I think that's a good player count. Next on no. the list, guys, we have Astronites. This one's been uh, catching a little bit of fire yeah, lately. Ass. Yes, he did. Do we know anything about Astronites? Was it not Anzen? The, uh... It is Anzen, yes. Anzen. Oh, I was thinking Anzen. Trespass, yes. Anzen is the, kind of the retheme. Everyone says it's better than Anzen, which is great because I was bored by Anzen. So, oh, my. all right. Well, let's keep it going. Who put catharsis on here? That has to be a will thing, but I'm no, sure I didn't put it on there. I, really? I did Is not it... put it. Yeah, I thought you put it on there. It was already there. Oh, um, well, I'm gonna but... go ahead and remove catharsis. That's a 2022 game. Well, and not actually, it's not. They have more it's that not. came out this out this year. It was uh kickstarted in 2022, came out this year. Uh, they got new stuff enough. coming out. They did another kickstarter this year. All that you need to know, people, is there's going to be a Beatrice the Board Game Dog character that you can get for Catharsis. It is coming. <laughs> it is real. It is a goblin and his trusty dog. And that's all you need to know. It's also, it's a fun game. I enjoy Scott, it. You've played this one, haven't you? I tried it out at Origins, I believe it was. It's great production. I mean, the artwork is and everything is great in it. There's tons of stuff inside this box to play. You can play this thing for a week and probably never get around to playing the same thing twice. So I would give it another try, definitely. You know what? I got this one because Will recommended it. So I reached out to the designer and I said, hey, Brown tells me that I should play this. So he sent me a copy to forward to the next person. And I set it up and I'm soloing it. I liked it so much. I was like, can I buy this? And he sold it. <laughs> I bought the copy. I was like, can I please not forward this? He actually gave me a little deal on it. So uh, that's awesome. But maybe that's one that we should... Uh, We'll, we're due to have you in an episode, the, a full episode. So maybe catharsis sometime uh, sometime this year. Yeah, it'll be fun. You know, and I think the new stuff is coming, I think, March. So I think you're actually going to be able to get the board game dog character sometime around March. I don't want that. Oh, How oh. dare you? How oh. <laughs> dare you? <laughs> All right, boys, we got Cosmoctopus. Cosmoctopus. Now, uh, I got a story about that. Go for it, Will. I get to claim like 30% credit for this game existing. Is that right? Oh. That is a fact because we were at PAX. The one time I came, we were all drunk as hell in the lobby of the one of the hotels that everyone always hangs out in. And Henry Audubon showed up and he's like, I got a prototype. And we're like, all right, we're playing it. And it was pretty much the game that is out was the mm -hmm. prototype. It's pretty much was there. 
without quite the art, but it had the same zany wackiness. I took a picture of the sell sheet and I posted it and I said, how come no one signed this? And a week later, I got a message from Henry. He said, someone saw that and they signed it. (laughs) (laughs) Josh, you've been awfully quiet. This is one that you've played. Yeah, I don't play too many new games. I'll be completely honest. I'm not like you guys. I play games that come up that are affordable to me. And usually they're not the newest stuff. But yeah, I got to play Cuz Octopus because I like Space Octopus because I'm a Cthulhu guy. I thought it was fine. Like, literally, it, it was a little bit step up from Parks. I think it's a little too long for what it is. I wouldn't want to play it more than two to three players. But the production's fantastic. It's a fun little, little board presence. But, you know, you're doing the same thing after about three-fourths of the game is done for like the last fourth of it. And, oh, hey, we got to stay on our good side because we want to get a review copy of Terraria. Oh, you guys were review copies. I don't have to. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it was great production and I'm glad I have it. And my wife really likes it. So. Oh, fair <laughs> enough. Cosmoctopus one to keep on your radar. Moving down it, the list. It, it's fun. I, I'm just going to add it with what he says. It, it that can feel a little bit long in the larger player count game. That That is my only criticism of the production copy is sometimes like, okay, this feeling a little long, but it is fun. I want to keep on the radar is Cosmoctopus moving down the list. Darwin's journey. And Scott, I'm sure you got plenty to say. Oh, well, this was the game that I really came to an epiphany that my love of games is definitely of the Euro persuasion. Whenever we played that at PAX, I fell in love with that game. Just all the different things you can do, all the decisions in okay, also all the bits and everything that were in there. Those little magnifying glasses were freaking adorable. Ryan had the blinged up copy. Oh, God, yes. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, not a problem. (laughs) And thank you for teaching it to us. Just so many decisions to be made, and it looks so busy. But whenever you get that moment that it hits and you just see exactly what you need to do, that is such a great feeling. You have so many different decisions on making who you're going to drop off on islands. Are you going to sail the ship on forward? Who's going to go with the next island? Are they going to go this direction, this direction? It's just tremendous fun playing this game. I really, really enjoyed this. And whenever I think back to conventions, there's always there's always a moment that resonates with me. And, and usually it's like chilling at a restaurant, that sort of thing. But most conventions, there's also a game, something that sticks with me. We played at Origins a year and a half ago. We had a big game of Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. And that stuck with me. You know, that was like, oh, that was the year we did Heroes of uh, Land, Air, and Sea. Now, And that yes. stuck with me, too, because you came over to see me. I was like, I'll help you put this away. And you guys had just dumped Every single mini and every single thing from the lander and sea just in the top box top. I looked at it, I was like, nope, yeah, never mind. I put them and I put all of them together at Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, we're just we're gonna go ahead and just fast forward a little bit. Pax <laughs> this year at PAX, you know what? The the two games stick out. I'll always remember this PAX one for uh, getting to learn and play War of the Ring at the hotel, that was just fantastic. But for Darwin's journey, Sir Jack joined us, which was cool. Ryan was teaching us, which was cool. And it was like the you know, four of us dudes just hanging out playing a nice, crunchy euro. And that was like how we spent the bulk of Sunday. And I, I really enjoy that. It's always going to stick out for that, if nothing else. Next on the list, we got Distilled. This one's uh, Dave Beck's game. It's uh, we're, we're distilling whiskeys and whatnot, spirits. You know, I, I just, I haven't posted it yet, but I, I just recently recorded a re- review of that. And this is a game that I was hesitant about it when I first played, because mm-hmm. I played real late at night. It was a five-player game, long day of work, and I left it. I was like, I don't know. 
I'll play it again. And he gave me a copy and I started playing more of it. I was so wrong when I was like, eh, that is a fun, fun game. And I got to play it with the Africa expansion, which now I'm trying to chase down. Nice. That is a fun game. And my wife likes it a lot. Uh, I, I know why some people get kind of turned off by kind of the push your luck. You pull out the devils and the angels cut of your your, your drink. And so you might not actually make anything. Of yeah, there's a bit of luck involved. Yeah. I think it's a delightful little game. It's kind of the same game every time you play, but it seems like the new expansion they have coming out is going to kind of mess mess with that a little bit. But it's neat. It's it's not leaving. So, yeah. yeah and it's. And to add on to that, too, by the way, it's, it's not as much luck as people might think, too. Like, there are luck games that are pretty much driven by luck, by, like, a roll of a die or the flip of a card. But in this one, there's quite a bit of luck mitigation that you can do. So it's, like, not pure luck. The more things you put into your distilled drink, the less chance you have of losing the items that you need in order to make your whiskey or your rum or whatever it is you're making. Because the more cards there are, you're only pulling two, one from the top and one from the bottom. So the more cards you add, the less of a chance you have of uh, of failing your drink. And so there is a lot of luck mitigation. I think that was the whole point of uh, most of this game. But yeah, I, I love this game too. And Dave Beck is a good guy and I'm looking forward to his next game too. But yeah, Distilled is great. Thematically yeah. very rich in spite of that Angel's Cut, Devil's Cut going on. Indeed. Yeah, th- this is I, one yeah, I definitely want to go back and revisit. Even though uh, Dave has a love of Islay Scotch, that's a battle that we will have later on he and i together i'm on his side <laughs> uh, oh uh, anyway the one time that i played it i played with people that they're kind of and i don't mean this to sound in a bad way but they play patrick style oh thanks they play where they math out everything and the one guy broke the game he had a score there was no way anyone was going to even come close to him just like okay what's the point of playing now i mean he's taken all the fun out of it and i want to play it again and give it another try definitely next up we got dune imperium uprising the one that we reviewed last week i had to fly solo because uh, scott you were a little under the weather so i gave my thoughts next week you and i are going to do a two games enter one game leave and we'll compare imperium with imperium uprising any uh, anything to contribute for today's sake Oh, my goodness gracious. This was Dune Imperium cleaned. What, what's the what's the word? Um, Streamlined? No, not streamlined. Uh, new spark plugs, everything put in this thing here. I, I don't think I can ever play Dune Imperium again, ever. It's only going to be uprising. Everything that they added into it works well. It is so streamlined, so slick. I love everything about this game now. One that we reviewed some time ago is next on the list, and that is a game called Earth from Inside Up Games. Yeah, this one was good. I don't think it's as good as some people made it out to be. It was a fine tableau builder that is very replayable and very variable. But it's just one of those things. It's one of those games where like you keep adding more and more to it. And you're going to get more and more. It's just, it's a game that keeps on giving. It's similar to Flamecraft. Mm-hmm. But I didn't... The thing is that, at least in the games I played, there wasn't as much scarcity as I was like, as for, say, Wingspan gives, I think, players. And so the puzzle wasn't as interesting for me. My okay. wife, again, really enjoyed it. And I have the game. And I'll be happy to play it. I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird where like these games that are super popular that I get really pumped to play, I sit down, I'm just like, oh... Okay. I will say if there's a uh, gamer that 
really likes tactile things, they might like the physical version of Earth because every few seconds you will be holding or moving or picking up or placing on top of something. It's so fiddly. No, that that's one of the reasons I like it. It's a nice puzzle. I really get feelings of Ark Nova, and we've been playing Ark Nova like crazy. Mm-hmm. And it puts that puzzle together of where you want certain things to show up. If you want to have them in a certain line with this, you build your little trees or mushrooms or whatever the little plants are that you're putting there. Yeah, I truly really enjoy this game. I don't have it. I want to get a copy of this. Okay, I, I'm going to let a secret out here. Heather's been playing some games lately. I think she will like this one and she may play more. There you go. That's all you can ask for. Yes. There's a tale of two two reviewers here. We have Scott who's like excited. like, wow, getting more people. And then when Josh speaks, he just craps on everything. (laughs) Am I I a grouch? I feel like I'm a grouch. I never thought myself. I thought Will was the grouch here. No, I mean, there's some hardcore fertilizing happening here, Josh. You are fertilizing very hard. Josh, you described it as the game that keeps giving, and I think maybe that that encapsulates my thoughts on Earth. There comes a point in the game where you have so many things that you're tracking. Well, I want these kind of plants, and I want them in these rows, and I get to draw four more cards. It becomes information overload. You know, I was playing this one at one of the meetups uh, that, that Level Up has, and you know, I've got 15 cards in my hand. The guy next to me is holding 11. He's like, oh, there's a lot to absorb here. And I was like, I just take four good ones and I put them in my front of the hand and I just forget about the rest. And that range true. Even playing it on BGA, it's the one complaint I have about it. Moving on, though, we got Earthborn Rangers, one that I saw at PAX. It's uh, it, it's one that intrigued me. It was a little expensive for me for buying, so I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about it, Will. Well, I just – actually, I, that's another one. I haven't released the video yet. It's a very pretty game. Everything oh, yeah. about it, and this this it has a so it's an adventure card game, along the lines of Sentinels of the Multiverse, Pathfinder adventure card game, or Aventuri. It's that style of game. You're going to have your character. You're going to put out items. You're going to use and all of that stuff. But this one has a campaign that you're going to get to play through, and the the theming is really interesting. The world building is fantastic. The way you move around the map, and every time you move somewhere, you're going to get cards for the location you're at, but then depending on what kind of environment you've crossed through, you get different cards that go into. You can kind of plan your trip around the map uh, around that. And it's all, all very, you know, adventure card. It, everything else is just like a Sentinels of the Multiverse type thing. You're going to interact with the environment and all of that stuff. But what's interesting to me and makes it stand out is there's no overarching story. It's a hmm. pure sandbox. And you're going to go through and you're going to have adventures, but you're not saving the world. You're just a hero out living their life and you're going to help people. And sometimes it might be the equivalent of getting the cat out of the tree. And sometimes it's going to be go stop the monster. It's it's very, very clever and very well done. The hardest thing about it is there's a, there's a lot of terms. And it took me a while just to learn what does it mean to be in reach versus along the way versus a test. And it it took a little while to get. And it's really, I think it's about, you don't need a bunch of games like that. You don't need a bunch of adventure card games. You no, need. you don't. So it's if you dig the theme, then this one's amazing. You know, if you prefer superheroes and you want Sentinels of the Multiverse, if you like fantasy, you want Aventuria. It's, it's that kind of thing. But it's Fair very enough. cool. It's worth playing if you can get a hold of it. Next one on the list is Evacuation, one that I wanted to play when we were at PAX. But I'm telling you what, man, and mine are gripe about uh, conventions. Their first look area, I remember a couple of years ago, you could play anything. This year, 
telling you what, man, they had three copies of this. So you can hold, what, four players per game times three games, 12 people for two hours times three days. You're going to have under 400 people getting to play this thing out of 35,000 in attendance. I digress. Ryan, tell me about you know, that evacuation. Is true. It, it is their responsibility to have enough copies so every single person can play Thank every you. single game. If I'm uh, buying my ticket. Moment. No, 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 no. My point is, well, if I'm buying my ticket thinking I'm going to get to play evacuation and this and that, like I'm looking forward to playing these new games. You can't do that. You can stand around for an hour and a half waiting to play the one game and then play it for two hours. Wash, rinse, repeat, and you get to play three games on your entire Saturday and half of the time you spent waiting. <clears throat> not good. I don't like Patrick that. angry. Yes, indeed. Ryan, evacuation. You got the floor. Sure. So I'm a Suki fan. He does have some misses for me, but for the most part, I don't oh, hate any Suki, of Oh, Suki now. <laughs> like, for example, Woodcraft was in my top 10 last year, and Underwater Cities is in my top 50 games of all time, which reminds me I have to run a list of that eventually. Anyway, I was at an event recently, and Evacuation was one of the games available to play. So I played it. And man, this is... Wow, what an incredibly thematic Euro. And that's hard to say. Uh, you're thinking of a la Lacerda as far as thematic Euros are concerned. He's one of the best at doing that. But this one was incredible at doing that as well. It's hard to feel that way. You feel the progress you make as you're trying to move factories and people and goods from one planet to the other because the old world is about to die and you found a new world. So you're taking everyone over there. It's why it's called evacuation. Anyway, there's an interesting mechanic in the game where if you produce goods on the old world, you can only use them in the old world. And the same goes for the new world. And the more rounds that pass, the more the game relies on you having production in that new world and you get penalized if you can't pay food costs depending on where you are. And there's a progress track. If you've ever seen the board, there's a progress track between the two worlds that has a few zones in it, kind of like a, a race track in a board game. You're mm -hmm. moving two progress trackers from old world to the new one. And depending on how many of those tokens pass certain checkpoints gives you different benefits. So for example, you start the game by only being able to build in frozen tundras in the new world. But if one progress marker passes the middle checkpoint, then you can start to build in deserts too. And if both pass the middle checkpoint, then one of your production factories from the old world gets transferred to the new world and increases your production by one for all three of the things that you can produce, like food, metal, and energy. And I really want to play this again because I feel like I only started to understand how the game wanted us to play it when we were like three quarters of the way through it. And man, I really want to try to play this again. I loved it so much. And that's that's evacuation to me. Bring it I, to Knoxville. I really want to play this. And I don't... I don't really care about Suchi games, really. None of them have ever excited me. That board makes me very curious. So if you all want to just, on your way back from Knoxville, just swing by San Jose and uh, teach me. <laughs> on the way. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you covered. Ryan, we're going to give the floor right back to you. The next one on the list is Everdell Far Shore. What you got? So like a lot of games this year, I feel like this game has what I call Raiders of Scythia Syndrome. I'd rather play this game than the original base game. However, I'd rather play Everdale with a select number of expansions rather than Everdale Farshore. So Scott and Patrick just talked about a Dune Imperium Uprising, and that's another game where I feel it has this syndrome. But mm -hmm. I feel like it's different because you can use the expansions with Uprising, and so right. I'm all for that. If you like Everdale, I would suggest giving this a shot. They have some pretty cool additions to this one. There's treasure tokens where you're moving your boat around the outside of the board, and at certain intervals, you'll collect treasure tokens. And if you keep them, they give you two points at the end of the game, but maybe you're low on resources and they can be discarded for any resource that you want. There's also something where you collect scrolls, or I, I think they're treasure maps, actually. And if you have a certain amount of cards of the same type, like the production cards or prosperity cards, 
you know, it's kind of like a basic event where you can grab it and each treasure map has a multiplier on it. At the end of the game, you get multipliers across all maps that you collected. You add them up and then you multiply that by the number of treasure maps that you collected. So you could get two plus two plus one, which is five. And that means you have three maps. So that's 15 points at the end. Either way, I think this is a cute, great game if you love Everdell. But aside from that, I'd rather probably play Everdell plus a certain number of expansions, specifically the Spire Crest and a little bit of the a New Leaf expansion, I'd say. Now, what if you're like me and don't care about Everdell, except for the This is not going to change your mind, I don't think. This is just literally Everdell with a few additional minor things that are similar-ish to some of the things that Everdell has already done. So I don't think it's going to change your mind. The one thing that I look at with Everdell is I really feel that it's reaching the point that it's more work to set it up than to actually play. This one's not too bad, to be quite honest. Okay, okay, that's good. Uh, I, I will say if you get the like the Everdell collection box, the giant big old box, yeah. then yeah, it's a it's a pain to set up <laughs> multiple expansions with the base game. But just like the base game in Everdell, the base game for this one, or should I say just the standalone game of this one, it's not right. too difficult. Okay, cool. Moving right along, we got another Stonemeyer game that's been showing up on a lot of top tens, and that is Expeditions. This is one that I liked well enough. I thought it was very good, very intriguing. If perhaps a little bit long, my play was five players. That was probably a factor. What'd you think of this one, Will? You know, I really like this one. This finished number three for me this year. I think number three. Nice. Uh, or no, number four, number four, but whatever it is. It was in, in my, my games of the year. Yes, Patrick, you're right. I do not want to play it at four. I don't want to play it at five. It mm-hmm. plays great at three. It's fun yeah. at two. And I also actually really enjoy the solo, but I would only recommend it if you're also going to play competitive. Like, you don't get this just to play solo, if that makes sense. Yeah, but no, it does. If, you, if you're going to play with two, three players, having the solo there is also a lot of fun. Like, I like this game enough that I painted it. Oh, it's, good Lord. Yeah, Will, it, you it, junkie, you nerd. It, well, yeah, I, I'm sorry. You put minis together and then painted them. So you <laughs> shut your filthy mouth. <laughs> but it's a really delightful game. Now, it is a bit of multiplayer solitaire. Mm-hmm. And it takes out, so it's a, the successor to Scythe, right? And what it takes away, what it takes away from Scythe is the combat, which is fine with me because I find the combat and Scythe to be the least satisfying part of Scythe. So I was all about it. I really like this game. It, it's it's not leaving. Well, I painted it, so it's not leaving my collection. That's, that's how I do. Yeah, instead of combat, they have like two markers that you go up and then you go and you banish spirits or what exactly? The, the corruption. Yeah, you, you get rid of the corruption. And it's it's all very much determinative. Like, so, you know, I got eight brain power and I got nine muscle power and this one's going to take four muscle to beat. So, boom, I can beat it. But you never actually fight each other. You actually can't stop on the same hex as another player. Right. Yeah, yeah. it's just blocking. Well, guys, not every game that we consider best of has to be this big, sprawling, epic Euro. How about next one? Forest Shuffle. Simple card mm. game. I want to well, play this one really bad. I really do. Now, I, how it, are you going to fill in the box that says, yes, I have something to say about this game, and what you have to say is, I really want to play this? Well, Back off, something. man. Back well, off. <laughs> you know, let, let me tell you, Josh, you don't. <laughs> you don't want to play I this. I don't want to play this game. Tell this me why, is, I played Josh. this at Corey Khan, Corey Thompson, that is... Big old house. He had people over. And we for, first game I played, it was like, this was the hot game at Essen. Everyone loved this. He brought it back from Essen. And we played it. And we were like, that is a game like substance. <laughs> it just, 
<laughs> it has a few neat ideas. I'm I'm sorry. Send all your complaint email to justpatrick at justpatrick.com. There was just nothing about it that I found particularly interesting. It's cards that are interacting with other cards, so I might as well play Fantasy Realms. Okay. I'll speak for you, Josh. I did enjoy this game. It was a lot of fun using the different type of cards, putting out trees. Are you going to have animals on the top? Are you going to have animals or plants around the bottom? Are you going to have predators around the sides of it? There was a lot of things in it that kept me enjoying this. This was that nice little filler game that you can play in between your two bigger games. It fit that bill perfectly. I mean, I think for a game with just cards, it's better than a lot of games that are just cards as well. But uh, yeah, I put this in the, the, the upper tier of just cards games. I love me some games that are just cards. I think it probably was sounding of they were painting a big picture for this and you were your expectations were not met. Man, they didn't get into the same building as my expectations. <laughs> Josh, I'll tell you what. It's on Board Game Arena. I'll teach you this week. We'll play a little bit. Deal. Next one on the list we've got is the Fox Experiment. Ryan, tell us about the Fox Experiment. Yeah, so Elizabeth Cargrave has a role in right, y'all. <laughs> That's what this game is, basically. So you're breeding friendly foxes. That's what she's saying. We have bushy tails and we have beautiful barks and things like that. But you're drafting friendly parents with certain traits and you're rolling trait dice based on those parents' traits. And then like a puzzle, you're putting dice halves together to make whole symbols. And then eventually you're using a marker to write on a dry erase card and you're putting in those symbols that you have created to create the traits for the offspring. It's a cute game. It lasts five rounds. The production on it is incredibly well done. And it's a very light game that I talked to friends of mine with their eight-year-old kid who loved it. She she loved making all these foxes. And in fact, it was the first game played in 2024 because it was with them that we did the New Year's thing. And we played it just afterwards. But yeah, that's the fox experiment. Really nice. So every now and then I'll be browsing Kickstarter and I'll come across a game that catches my eye and I'm just this close or inevitably there's three at a time and I'm like, oh, I want all these and I got to pick one. And I don't remember what edged this one out, but I was this close to pulling the trigger on Fractal Beyond the Void. And I understand they had some shipping issues. It was kind of a headache. It took too long, a delay, whatever it might be. But Will, you're telling me this one is definitely worth mentioning in best of 2023. You know, it it showed up in december and yes it was the disaster of shipping whalebacker is the devil they are the worst leave that in they're terrible fair but enough i'm not a big 4x guy and you know i did a preview of it because my buddy matt like can you get this game want to try it but then after that they did actually hire me to help them get more media so they Ooh. did pay me at one point i'm not and working you, for and you didn't come to us and say hey guys do you want to uh, get yourself a copy so that you can thanks will thanks brown i don't think i knew you yet fair enough but this came out, this was on Kickstarter the same time that Voidfall was. So these are the two games that were kind of up against each other. And so I finally got to play the production copy of this. I don't like 4X games. And there is a very good chance this is going to be my game. is one of my games of the year nominees this year. It is the best 4X game I have ever played, Ooh. period. It is. Wow. As long as you're okay with not rolling dice. Absolutely. The combat yeah. has no dice. It's card driven. So like you have your units. And so it's like, okay, I got my mech. So I'm going to play my mech card. You're going to look at, you know, be thinking, okay, wait, I think he's going to play his mech card. So I'm going to play this card that's going to counter it. And you can play cards based on what units you have. It is brilliant. There's a lot of rules. I actually have another video of this one coming out relatively soon too. It is so good. The production is amazing. And you can even do like a build your own 4X game. If you get the 
something something void expansion that kind of that you can get and then you can have all these different modules you can put in and take out it's great people should be talking about it i'm done it sounds right up my alley. I'm a big fan of Twilight Imperium. This past year, we had the opportunity to finally play Eclipse Second Dawn for the Galaxy. We love some 4Xs, so this is one that I can't wait to try. Will, I want you to tell me about the next one on the list, though. Freelancers, it re-implements Forgotten Waters. This is a Crossroads game, which I understand they incorporate an app into this one. Well, they did in Forgotten Waters as well, but I understand it's app-driven, and you have it on the list as one of the best of the year. Freelancers. If you liked Forgotten Waters you'll probably like this one better. You know, it uses a website. So you could go to the website and that's where you get all your story. It's beautifully narrated. It's funny and sometimes dark. Like there's one of the stories I played, it was super freaking dark and hilarious at the same time. But it's a little bit more game than Forgotten Waters. You're doing a little bit more with your dice, but to be clear, you're just playing a story here and you're making some choices under a time pressure as a little worker placement. It's a blast. Um, I don't know who put this on the list. I didn't put it on the list, but it is a lot of fun. <laughs> Guys, next up, we got Frost Haven, which I think is technically a 2022, but a lot of folks didn't get theirs until 23. So we'd be remiss if we didn't include it in there. I would describe it as, as like an upgrade to Gloomhaven, where you have a, a more robust town phase. At this point, I think the Havens, Frost and Gloom respectively, to me, they are... Well, I can't attest as much to Frosthaven. I only did a couple of scenarios, but Gloomhaven to me is one of the best board games of of all time. And that's represented in its ranking on BGG. The problem, not really a problem, but for someone like me, the problem is it's kind of hobby adjacent in that if that's your game, that is your game. It just takes that much. Like we couldn't do a podcast. I couldn't play other games if I was all about okay. Let's do let's do Frosthaven. We would just have a Frosthaven group, and that would be my ex, that would be the extent of my board gaming hobby, and that's fine. Definitely worth mentioning. Fantastic stuff. Great Western Trail, New Zealand. Ryan, I know you put this one on here because you've been telling me all about it. Yes, I did. So, Great Western Trail, the original, was at one point in time one of my top five favorite games. It was quite a few years ago. It slowly dropped. New games were coming out, and that's what happens. And then Argentina came out. I was super excited for it. And then after playing it, it fell short. My excitement died out pretty quickly, and I sold it. This one came out last year, and I didn't buy it because I was afraid it would do the same thing that Argentina did until I played it with a friend. I then immediately got a copy, and I've played it quite a few more times since then. It takes Great Western Trail and all the good bits from all its predecessors and successors and delicately places it in a land of sheep and kiwi birds. <laughs> uh, I love how this game... I love how this game has added a lot of good ways of not only adding sheep to your hand, but also get deck building cards. When you play them, they give you a benefit, and then you immediately draw another card from your deck. So your hand will always be full of good stuff. And they added a lot of things like nails, rails to the north mechanics and how you sell and ship your goods with a shipping board. You get to dictate where the goods sell to, not just based on just the power level of the different sheep in your hand. Granted, this is not an easy game to learn, and setup is a chore, uh, but it's definitely one of the games that is most fulfilling to me from this year. I will go ahead and say that I think after ranking it, it is my number two game of 2023. Oh, wow. Yeah. Josh, you're the person that likes to play the older stuff and typically the smaller and quick playing things. You're the one that put the notation next to hegemony. Lead your class to victory. Patrick, I want to play this game. There you go again. Get out. <laughs> I've played it. I played it. I Will played it once. You play, you play everything. I watched Will play it. It's fun. It's a lot. It's a lot. 
It's so much. And I would love to play it again. I tried real hard to get a review copy of this thing. And if I find one on like a good deal, I'll probably just buy it. I, I played Hegemony this morning. Oh. Um, I, I had it set up last night and I was about to do the rules teach. And I saw that the videos were like two and a half hours long. So I went to a bed. Rules teach up. video? Yeah, rules teach. Well, there's not really good rules teach videos out there. I think there was one done by somebody I've never heard of before. And so far, his rules teachers were pretty good. It's difficult to find one where you're only playing with two players. A lot of the gameplays and uh, showcase videos were mm -hmm. with four players. And I'm only one person. This is definitely not a game you want to play two-handed solo. This is a game <laughs> kind of like Root, in which there are incredibly asymmetric differences between every player. I think this does much, much, much better than Root in the fact that there are a lot of ways for you to interact with the other players and they have to base what they do on sometimes things that you do. I did not play the full game yet. I went through two hours, which was two rounds for me just because I was still trying to get the ins and outs of playing two different Yeah, you're factions. learning it. Sure. And it was just so difficult for me. So I reached out to the person who I borrowed it from and I said, hey, can we just set up a four player game of this at some point in time? I want to play this. I really do. It seems like it's an interesting, nice game that I would enjoy, but I just can't hold all the pressure of figuring out what one faction does and then switch over to the next faction in my mind like that. So I think it would take forever to do that. So I just want to play it one faction in a full game. That's just what I want to do. Yep. This is the kind of game that I would love to like play at Gen Con or something. But here's what here's the thing. I would want three of you chuckleheads to have learned <laughs> the damn game. <laughs> I'm out. Learn a faction and we're just gonna sit down and play. That's what I want to do. It I think it's great. It would never sniff my top games of the year because like it's hard to get this thing to the table. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think sometimes that plays to a game's benefit. Like the people that have learned it or like they've invested so much time and energy into figuring it out that inevitably they rank it higher. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the case, but I know I for one do that. Speaking of difficult and a big learning curve, uh, let's the uh, next one I have on here is the Isofarian Guard, which is a gigantic cube of like RPG and a box. I'm just going to gloss over this one because it has that same element that that I mentioned with with Frosthaven, whereby if this is your game, this is the thing you're going to play. It's supposed to be a phenomenal campaign. It's making a lot of top 10 lists, as is the next one, Kinfire Chronicles. Similarly, big campaign game, tons of stuff going on in the box. Will, you know a thing or two about Kinfire Chronicles? I do. It was my number two game of the year, and I'm actually, as we're talking about games that I don't know anything about, I'm literally setting it up to do my next yes, my, my next playthrough. I'm, doing the, I'm actually recording the whole campaign as I'm going through. This game is delightful. One, it sets up lightning fast, which mm -hmm. is great. It's one of those, it's an adventure dungeon crawl, but it has the map book. So you're not putting out all these tiles. You have and to stuff. set up tiles and hexes and crap. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. What it does that's really cool. There's no dice, is it's all card play, but it's set up to where you can, you help each other. So if I right. if my characters played a green attack, I'd be like, ah, who's got a boost for me? And Patrick would be like, I have a boost for you. Draw a card. And Scott's like, I have a boost for you, but I'm not using it. And Josh is like, I have a boost for you. Heal one or whatever. It's a delightful game. There's two caveats that I toss out there for people. One is pretty easy. It's, okay. it's not very challenging. So that's easy. It's very easy. Just house rule it. Add a third more health to the bad guys, whatever. But here's the only real thing. This is actually probably why it was my number two, not my number one. The initiative system is set up to where if you're 
not play, if you're playing with more than two people, it's going to drive you crazy because it's like cosmic frog and you have all these chits in a bag and you're going to draw them out. Whatever you draw out is going to go. So heroes might go seven times in a row. The bad guys might go three times in a row when you're playing solo. Oh. There's a lot of tension. But if four of us were playing, each with one character, it is possible that you take one action in a whole mission. It's Ooh. possible. And when you're playing, when I play solo, like it doesn't matter because I'm doing all of them. You're the but one controlling least, them all. Right. So that's the big caveat with it. But I, I think it's delightful. I really enjoy it. Well, I reached out to Ilya and asked to see if they have any review copies available because it's one that I'm remarkably curious about. I did play Kinfire Delve, the uh, the small version of the game that focuses on the, uh, the the encounters that you have. Small box, like 30 bucks. Couldn't help but pick up a copy of PAX and delighted to have it. Next up, Kutnahora making a lot of top lists, but none of us have. I think, Ryan, you've played it. You've tinkered with this one a little bit. I did play it. I played it and immediately sold it. It wasn't for me. The only thing I can say that I really, the fact that it's called the City of Silver, all of the silver components and all of the silver on cards have a silver sheen, like a reflective surface on it. And so like, I would say that the production of the cards is fascinating. The board has it. They just put in like little swirls of silver every so often and Mm -hmm. it shines on everything. And it's just a beautiful game as far as that's concerned. But as far as the gameplay is concerned, you play a card, You do one of the two halves of it. So either do a mine action or do a reserve action. You have to do three different actions in order to play a building. You have to reserve the building. You have to plot a place on the main board, and then you have to build it. Those are three of the five actions that you do in the game. The other one is mine, and the other one is produce, profit, something. I don't remember it. Uh, It just didn't. I I don't want to retain a memory of it. It's just not that great of a game, Um, but it just looks nice. It's one that oh. Scott and I both are uh, kind of looking forward to. Yeah, you know, funny, me, me too. Like, I'm like really interested in this game, and then like Ryan just went all Josh and just crapped all Cut over. it down. <laughs> well, he Forced didn't go. Cover he didn't go to that. Year. He didn't Forced go to that extreme. Year. Josh was. Uh, Josh is a man. They slaughter things down on the submarine. I do. Andrew's nice. <laughs> no, no one can hear you scream down there. Oh come on, Will! Did you put Lunar Rush on the list? No, I did not. I know. I did. I did. It's a 2023. Um, oh, did Ryan add it? Uh, you know what? If yeah. he didn't add it, I was going to put it on there. This this thing is talk about underrated. I don't think this is on other reviewers' top ten list, but it's absolutely worth the mention for the gameplay. Lunar Rush. Will, do you want to take the floor? Your brother's the designer, so give us uh, give us the elevator pitch on Lunar Rush. Yeah, despite the designer being a horrible, horrible person. No, um, <laughs> the, this is simultaneous play from most of it. You're doing tableau building, worker placement, all your worker placement you're doing on your own individual moon base. And it's an economic game, right? So Mm -hmm. you're going to get resources, use those resources, make other things. They're going to sell those resources. That's all well and good. We've seen that. The real, I think, uh, hook on this game is it's a game about timing. So you're going to be bidding your victory points at the beginning of every turn to pick rockets that are going to be going up to the moon. And you're going to put more workers on there. You're going to put earth-based items that you need to build your stuff on the moon. And those are going up and you can get something right away this turn, but you can only take two things or you can wait three turns and get nine things, but it's a seven turn game. So if you're doing that, you're waiting, waiting for almost half the game to get it. And the same thing coming down, you can send a lot of stuff down, but you got to wait three turns to get it, to sell it and get your points. Mm -hmm. However, the market is changing as people sell things. And so you, you, if you wait, you might be losing points by waiting. There's lots of modules in there. And my brother did not intend it like this, but it is unintentional satire of capitalism. 
Because think about this. <laughs> think about this. We find these two amazing new elements on the moon. So what do we do? We rip the damn moon open. We tear the stuff out. We fly it back to Earth and sell it to rich people who don't need it. Capitalism. There you go. There's your elevator pitch. Now, seriously, adventures, you've got to keep your eyes out for Lunar Rush. It's probably not something that you're going to be able to find at your local comic shop. Will, can, where can we get a copy of Lunar Rush? Uh, well, the, a lot of the online retailers have it. Amazon has it. But also, you can get it directly from Dead Alive Games. They still have deluxe versions there. Now, I do know for a fact there are literally, outside of stores that already have stock, there's only 20 or less retail versions remaining. There are plenty of deluxe versions out there because they got they got a whole bunch more deluxe versions that you can get. It's out there. And right now it's over and it's right around 8.0 on a BGG, about 150 ratings. Almost every single reviewer that's played it has been very favorable to it. And um, yeah, it's, I think it's really good. It was an honorable mention for me. Well, it's my brother, so he, he can't win it. You cut, yeah, you kind of, you're not allowed to put it. It is like your number two or your number one. Cause I'll think. Yeah. I mean, but if my, if my list was only Euro games for this year, I would have to put it in there. I think it is the best game no one's talking about as far as Euros go. I agree. One of the most popular games in the hobby, and the oldest in the BGG Top 100, is Crokinole. And at Level Up, we're big fans. Oh yeah. Most of our meetups have a Crokinole board set up and ready for action. Our choice for anything and everything Crokinole is Brown Castle Games. Brown Castle is a family-owned company that produces boards of unmatched quality. With a circular frame, a variety of hardware veneer playing surfaces, and a professional edge banding, let me tell you, these boards stand out. Oh, no doubt, Scott. And along with your board, Brown Castle has the best crokinole accessories I have ever seen. The discs, the holders, the carrying case, they make the best. Yes, they do. Adventurers, you know our style. When we partner with someone, it's to get savings for you. Exclusively mm -hmm. for adventurers, Get 5% off anything and everything from Brown Castle Games. The boards, cases, accessories, you name it. Get 5% off with promo code LEVEL5. L-E-V-E-L, -E -E the number 5, all caps, no spaces. Find it all at www.browncastlegames.com. Next on the list, guys, we got Masters of the Universe Clash for Eternia, and I see I'm the only one that's played it, so I get to talk a little bit about it. Dude, He-Man in a box this thing is. King, you told me I got to play this before I can sell it, and I don't know if I'm going to sell it because it is good. It's fun. I mean, it's not like you're going to sit there and be all brain burning trying to figure out what you're going to do next. No, you, you have a few actions to do per turn, but like the characters, you get the art of the character, you have actions that pertain to that character. It's just... It's an area combat game. It's a mission-based combat game. You get to move all these little toys around the board. Oh my lord! I got the I got the big skull, the 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 castle gray skull thing, and all the 3D terrain. I can't wait to have you. If we're gonna nerd out, we're gonna put He-Man on the TV and we're gonna play the hell out of this thing. Have oh, you painted lord, it? Yes. Have you painted oh, it? Heck no! No, I swore off painting after Wolfenstein. I painted all the Wolfenstein. I was like, that took way too you long. You are. I listened again. to your podcast. You said you had a hankering to start painting again. The hankering is there. The time and the energy is not. Ain't it. Josh, you got Mission Control Critical Orbit. Yeah, so this is a game from 3WS, and it is a real-time cooperative roll-and-write where one player plays a satellite in space, that rolling dice, giving those dice numbers to three other stations on Earth, and they're trying to cooperate together so that they can repair the station in space. 
It's fantastic. It's really fun. I demoed it two years ago, and it just came out this year. I absolutely adore it. It's a great cooperative game. If you're looking for, if you're looking for a great game you can play together in a short amount of time, it's fantastic. It does pressure really well, but it is fragile. I think anything beyond exactly four players, it gets a little bit finicky, but still fantastic. Loved it. Great production. Great theme. Love it. One that we're all looking forward to. And Jimmy told me I gots to play. I was this close to buying his Nucleum. Ryan, elevator pitch me on Nucleum. So I saw that a lot of people had this in their top 10, but I was I was actually deterred from playing it by a few people. It was always, why play Nucleum when you can either play Brass or Barrage instead? And it's Barrage. I don't want to hear it. I it's only played this game for the first time. Barrage, stop. Barrage. You're about to get a barrage, barrage of people telling you how to say the word. But it, they're wrong. I only played this game for the first time this morning, by the way, and I just loved it. It's definitely more brass than barrage. But if you haven't played either of those, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but either way, you're playing action tiles either onto your player board to do both of the actions that's on this tile. But also, whenever you do a refresh and collect income, you'll get the income you've unlocked up to how many action tiles you've played. So if you have a large income but only play three action tiles, you're not going to get much from this income regardless. But instead of playing them as an action, though, you can place them on the board as a railway to extend your network out so you can build buildings on the main board. You can only build where there's places where you're connected to your network, just like in Brass, and you eventually need to be able to connect them to a nucleum mine that's active so that you can use the nucleum to power up these buildings. It's just like Brass in a lot of ways, and it's an interesting interplay of what to do with these tiles that makes the game for me. Not to mention the color scheme that makes it an interesting game to pass by and just look at. But yeah, I, I would strongly suggest this. If you like Brass Barge, it doesn't matter too much. Just play this, just because it's actually quite an amazing game with all sorts of contracts that you have to complete, and it's a player-controlled end-of-game thing as well. Oh, I always like that. Yeah, there's five ways for an end-game token to be taken off of the board and once there's three that's going to trigger the end of the game i really really enjoyed nucleum and i look forward to more plays well there you go that's nucleum thank you ryan sea salt and paper josh you, you got the there. floor for this one. Oh yeah this is this is this is fantastic this is sea the bee's salt. knees this is the bee's knees this is this is the heebie-jeebies this is the this is the cream of the crop this is a great little card game from Bombex, who produced the worst game of the year, Humanity, and they <laughs> <laughs> and he said, "Look, he can't even be nice with like more than four sentences without pooping on something." He's like, "Yeah, they did this, but make no mistake, they suck." Yeah, no. Seesaw Paper is a really simple little card game where you're trying to collect sets of cards from from a deck to your hand. But the way the cards interact and the way the drafting works about picking either two from a discard or drawing two. There's just something about it that's so simple. The artwork is nice, and you can play it really quickly. It plays really well at all player counts. It travels good. It's very affordable. I sleeved my copy. I really love this game. Yeah, the uh, art on there is just origami, right? Origami sea creatures or even mermaids and things like that. It's a barrage of origami pictures. <laughs> no, you, you pronounce that one that way correctly. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bash on that. I'm actually playing a game right now on BGA because you guys are so boring. I'm over here playing a game on BGA. <laughs> wow, <talking>? Wonderful. <laughs> I almost started doing that because I wouldn't talk for a long period of time because I don't play new games too often. All right, King. Surely you can tell me some things about Sky Team. I can, but don't call me Shirley. <laughs> uh, with Sky oh, Team, we reviewed this not too long ago in an episode in the in the near past 
And I still have my problems. The idea that your pilot and your co-pilot can't talk to each other because they're in the co- the cockpit next to each other doesn't make sense. But still, it's a fun little game. What's the other person thinking? What are they going to do? Are they going to flip the plane? Oh, dear God, we're going to crash in a blaze of glory. All sorts of great times there. Great fun. And you can toss in a few airplane quotes here and there. Next one we got is Snap Ships Tactics. This is one that we reviewed, I think, right before Sky Team. And this was a 2023 game all about building your ship, physically building it, putting it together like Legos, and then using the cards that correspond with the pieces on your ship to play like a, a, what do you call, like like X-Wing, what do you call those minis games? A, A tactical miniature game. A tactical miniature game. That's why you're the king. We like this one quite a bit. Well, actually, I got quite a bit more of it for Christmas as well. So I'm getting ready to start doing two-on-two games and playing solo and all sorts of stuff. So I'm excited to start building some new ships. All right, Hungry, you're up for Station Fall. This one's been catching some eyes. Yeah. Now, look, I'm going to be real here. In no world is this a top game of any list ever. (laughs) However, it is an experience, and I had a blast playing The space station is crashing, and there's 12 characters on the space station. And you are given three cards that are like a secret objective, and you're trying to accomplish the objectives of one or more of these characters. But everyone can control these characters unless you reveal that you are that character, and then, you know, the people can try to stop you. On your turn, you might be moving characters that you care about or characters that you don't care about doing random crap on this space station because everybody is an insane person that has isn't just trying to live like the space chimps like i gotta get off of this space station but i need to get an artifact a briefcase and a gun before i do it why nobody knows why not fair enough the daredevil is like i want to get off this station but i'm gonna do it with style give me some space wings and i'm gonna fly down on my space wing jetpack with my helmet like it just none of it makes any sense And you might be doing something and someone canceled what you just did. But, but story-wise, it is ridiculous and a blast. We played this. I just recently played this. Don from the Secret Cabal, he clubbed the cyborg over the head in secret. So he didn't get in trouble. And then next turn, I took control of the robot that clubbed it. And I threw the cyborg out into space so it was dead. (laughs) But then later on, I realized, oh, my God, I need that cyborg's corpse. So I sent the robot back outside into space, grabbed the cyborg corpse, brought it inside and threw it into the escape pod with my other people, which led me to win the game. OK, That's I'm funny. sold. I am sold. I want to play this. Yep. It, it's a, I would only play it if you don't mind. If you if, if you get butt hurt, don't play this. No, no. It sounds like it's it's just this glorious mess of chaos. And I want yep. in. And there's a million rules. This is the type of game that you play with the type of people you play Battlestar Galactica with. That is the group for this. Josh, you put the stuff of legend on the list. This one comes from 3WS as well. And you're the one that turned me on to this. You taught me this one at Origins and I'll never forget. That was, you know, I saw you can associate each convention that you've been to with a game that you played. I'll always associate that Origins with the play of the stuff of legend perfect strangers and yet by the end of it we're all like cheering and high-fiving and like everybody stood up around the table it was it was one of those magic moments that board games tend to create tell me a little bit more about the stuff of legend yeah so this is a social deduction game it's not really a social deduction it's a hidden trader game so there is some social deduction into it but basically you are it's based off a graphic novel of the same name where you're a bunch of toys going to this 
closet, this boy's closet who's been kidnapped by the Boogeyman. You come to life as epic heroes, and you're trying to find the exit to the Boogeyman's lair or where they've taken the boy. So you're, trying, you're going throughout this map, having encounters, fighting back beasts. All the while, depending on player count, there may or may not be one or two traders trying to get you to lose the game so you don't find the proper exit. Proper exit is one of the dots. It's either the highest dot on the map, or if the seven dots or the sevens on the map, it's the actually the one. I think what makes this game so great that it is indeed the perfect stranger game. It is all the goodness of Battlestar Galactica and Unfathable pushed down to about an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Which makes it wonderful. I love it. I play. I don't know how great it will last playing it over and over again with the same group as Battlestar Galactica or Fathomable. But at a con, this is a fantastic game. It looks great. I have my deluxe copy that I got for teaching it at that Origins. And I'm teaching it at Tantrum Con. And I'm super looking forward to it. A lot of charm. Well-implemented theme. I'll always remember that game for that play at Origins. Love it. Will, you got the floor for Tales of the Red Dragon Inn. This is the best dungeon crawl to come out in a long time. You know Frosthaven just came out. This is the best dungeon crawl to come out in a long time. <laughs> you know the Isafarian Guard just came out. This is the best dungeon crawl to come out in a long time. The- That's a strong opinion, Will. Tell us. And I mean every word of it. Now, the only caveat that I will give to this is it's a lighter dungeon crawl and it's zany. Okay. That's it. That's the only thing that maybe might turn you off. And it doesn't have fail forward like a lot of dungeon crawls. That's it. It is fantastic. The writing is amazing. It is it is a legitimately funny story. Everything about the characters is unique the cards that you get makes each character feel like they're very thematic as you play through and they've created this world it's just amazing I'm, I, I talk about it for an hour it is fantastic it's dice chucking and if you like dungeon crawls you like lighter dungeon crawls and you want to chuck some dice you are making a mistake if you do not have this game what about the next one then? You also have Tenaris Adventures on here. It's Dungeon Crawl 2. Also top like top games of the year worthy. It, it was my number five, actually. And it's fantastic. It's wonderful. I don't like it as much as Tales of the Red Dragon in because there is so much. Like you can put Tales of the Red from Red Dragon in out on the table, have it out, play, be done. If you take out Tenaris Adventures, it's going to be out on your table for at least a week. And Mm. you're going to play through four games, whatever it is. It's got a very cool city building phase in between each mission, which really makes the game pop because you're kind of building up the city, which unlocks different items that you can get. It unlocks different abilities and it even unlocks new characters that you can play. And this is something it does very well that a lot of other dungeon crawlers don't do is you can switch out your characters all you want as you play. You just have Mm -hmm. to find the characters and where do you find, we all know, where do you find new heroes if it's a fantasy world? The bar. The tavern. Bar. The end. Exactly. The, the better tavern you have, the more people you can find. And that's the way that works. It's great. It's just a lot, and it's a lot of boxes. I think I have one, two, three, four. I got five boxes over there, and I've, oh. already, gotten, I've already gotten rid of one, and there's like three or more, four more boxes I don't even have. All right, guys, we got like seven or eight more to go. We still got some heavy hitters. Next one up is Thunder Road Vendetta, which we reviewed. So I'm going to leave this one on uh, on Josh and Will. Josh, tell me about Thunder Road. Josh, if this... you say you want to play it, I won't be mad. I want to play it again. Okay. Oh. Yeah, okay. Okay. So, no, this is a fantastic game, but condition, it has to have the expansions. I think this game really shines 
when you start adding the car upgrades and all the other different bits and pieces. I think the base game is just okay, but adding those different abilities and really personalizing your car makes for this chaotic good time. Because what you're doing is that you're having a race from one end of the board to the other, trying to be the last man standing or be the first car across the finish line. It was absolutely fantastic it was so much chaos you couldn't really plan for everything but you had a golden mind i mean i had a blast i had a blast playing it i almost won it kind of ended on anticlimactic note where i just kind of got a flat tire and was out <laughs> but overall like production wise this this is this was easily top three of the year of what i played it's pure chaos and i love chaos it, yep. it is as chaotic as cosmic frog but faster and dumber in the best way. Oh, yes. This, if, if you like dumb fun and don't mind you losing cars within the first two turns, it's great. And like, uh, it's there, there's some I could go on. I'm not going to. But what a winner. What a winner of a game. King, in about two episodes from now, we're going to be talking Ticket to Ride, Legends of the West. We're going to have Lena join us for that episode so we can formally introduce her to, to the adventurers. I, I see you've got some things to say about this legacy campaign we're a part of. Yes, this takes Ticket to Ride and just makes it better. Ticket to Ride is one that I always want to play. I play it with my brother-in-law. It's great because I love messing with his plans, and he takes it so poorly. It, <laughs> it just makes me feel good inside. So I'm anxious to get this out whenever we're done with it. But it's each time that you finish up the game, you add another part to the board. Right. Uh, what was it? Um, anyone that's opened it up, and we're not giving anything away here. We just opened up the what was it, the haunted valley. Yeah, yeah. And that made quite a distinct impression on us playing that game. That part there, very unique. Added a great little touch to it. So many great things with this. I can't wait to see what happens at the very end. You know, it's definitely in the top games of the year for me. And you know what? Without spoiling anything, I'll just put it to you this way. Pandemic's a good game. Pandemic Legacies, top 100. Clank is a good game. Clank Legacy, top 100. Ticket to Ride is a good game. Ticket to Ride Legacy, this thing is destined for the top 100 because oh, it yeah. is yeah. very enjoyable. Even, even if the legacy elements aren't as exciting as I've seen in other legacy games, it's still just so much fun getting to sit down and build up some some train routes with you guys. I'm loving it. Absolutely. Yeah, my, my wife and I, and then... My sometimes occasional co-host, Original Don, uh, and his wife, we, we've just started. We've only played once, but very excited by it. And Ticket to Ride is one of my wife's favorite games, so I'm, I'm excited about it. Ryan, you've got Unmatched Adventures Tales to Amaze, and this was in a lot of folks' top tens. And I was like, wait a minute, un Unmatched Unmatched Adventures? What's going on here? Yeah, so Unmatched, uh, the base game itself, is just one of my favorite two-player games that ever came out. It has a bunch of content. But all that content was pretty much comprised of just more characters and some more battle maps or boards to battle on. Unmatched Adventures Tales to Amaze. This game makes it a cooperative game where you're battling a big boss that's trying to destroy or take over the world. Right now, it's only just two major bosses. It's the Mothman. It's also Alien Invaders. But there's definitely room for expansions to add more interesting bosses as well. Either way. To turn an amazing two-player game like a match into a co-op was just a great idea. I look forward to more, and I have my friend borrowing it right now. He's a big fan of Unmatched. And I have told him that what needs to happen is needs to be Spider-Man and Black Widow 
versus the Mothman with the mini bosses of the Ant Queen and the Tarantula. And I think that would make for an amazing battle of the bugs. <laughs> and I just wanted him to tell me about it. Uh, I'm getting it back from him on Friday and we'll see how it goes. If, if he doesn't do it by then, I'll do it. <laughs> Guys, the next one I'm just going to brush over because I see none of us have played Veil of Eternity. This one's on BGA now. I, Ryan, is this thing in alpha or beta or is it just readily available? It's currently in alpha. I'm trying to get into a game of it. I learned the rules. It only took five minutes to read the rule book. It's very, very simple. And Still I'm looking make forward you teach to... It. Yeah, I, I can teach it to you and we'll probably, <laughs> we'll probably do it tomorrow. Who knows? But yeah, we'll have played Veil of Eternity by the time this episode comes out to, for people. Well, it is making a lot of top 10 lists. Veil of Eternity. Hopefully, we'll get to cover that one in the coming weeks. Voidfall is the next one on here. And now that I'm thinking about it, that's the one when I was looking at like, okay, what am I going to back? It was either Fractal or Voidfall or something else. Oddly enough, I don't remember this. Maybe it was when Nemesis was live. I No, maybe it was ISS Vanguard and opted for Vanguard. Whatever the case, Voidfall is making a big impression on folks. Second to last one, the White Castle. This one I talked about last episode, the the solo Pat episode, which was whew, rough on the voice by the end of it. Guys, White Castle's making a bit of a splash. The thing that I really enjoyed was being able to put out the the different colored dice that are going to be played in each one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be different each time. And so many times you see that you get the one die. Okay, well, you're going to take one of the, say you have a, a red die. Well, there are two red die markers on a room. So, well, you're going to play it once and leave the other one behind. No, no, no. Au contraire, my friend. You're going to play that same thing twice. That I really liked. That was just a nice little mechanic I really enjoyed in this game. And it was a lot of fun. Ton of value, too. The way this game's like 40 bucks. Devere yeah. Games makes a slightly smaller box. Considering the components and the amount of, we'll say, meat on the bones in that game, they did a fantastic job. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, one of the best, one of the best art that came out in 2023, in my opinion. Right. I'm going to let you conclude the list. You got World Wonders. Yeah. So World Wonders, I got from PAX for a pretty cheap price on the market. That's one of the games that I got. It Ayo. looked very interesting. Sorry, what? I said AO. I excitingly oh. said AO because of the market. Me that was the- AO. <laughs> Josh will never forget that market. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to go again. So World Wonders looked very interesting to me, and I managed to grab a copy for fairly cheap, like I said. And I knew people were talking about it, so I thought I'd give it a shot myself. I thought it would sell out in packs, to be quite honest. But for such a cheap price, the quality in it is incredible. The gameplay is very lovely, and it is very quick, too. It's almost like a super small city-building game where you're trying to collect these World Wonders. Ha, that's the name of the game. And you place them on your city board, but you can only get one per round because... You have a limit of seven bucks per round to buy things. However, Mm -hmm. if you decide to get a wonder, you have to just spend the rest of whatever money you have left. And when you get that wonder, which you can only get once per round, you have to meet the placement requirements of the wonder that you're trying to build too. Perhaps it wants to be next to a farm and next to water. But those are the things that you're looking for, and they give you a good amount of points. The points aren't very high. I want to say they're around like 30 or 40 when you're finishing with the game. It has produced a good, cute, cheap, and super easy to teach game, and I quite enjoy it. Yeah, I just got a shipment notification from Arcane Wonders for it. They were kind enough to to send me a copy. And people like you, Ryan, got me all hot and bothered about this, though I hadn't talked to you about it. But (laughs) a lot of people have been really high on it. I was like, well, okay. And then like, like magic, it showed up in my email. You want to cover this? I was like, yes, I do. 
I hope you enjoy it. I really do. I think you will. Yes, I will. You, Ryan, he, Patrick. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I got to leave that in. That's the dumbest thing I've heard all day. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> the day's young yet, buddy. Hi, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. I'm reaching out today with a cry for help. Every day, innocent podcast hosts go hours without being the center of attention. My ego. Your five-star rating on iTunes says that you care. I need to be important. Without your support, these nerds will be neglected, beaten, possibly die. I'm so hungry. Please, open your heart. Give that five-star rating on iTunes, or rate them favorably on whatever platform you listen. Alright guys, that rounds out some of the best games of 2023, but we'd be remiss if we didn't each say our favorite game, the game that we're most looking forward to, something that we didn't get to play but we can't wait to, and a game that we think is a bit under the radar. So let's start. Why don't we start with an under the radar game and we'll just go, uh, uh, we'll take turns doing under the radar. And I'm going to go with Lunar Rush. I don't think that this has the number of people playing it that it deserves. It's phenomenal. I think, Will, you said it best when you said the people that are playing this and the people that are reviewing it are giving it really high marks. That should mean some, that should mean more. It didn't get the advertising some of the big games get, but man, it is good and it competes with them. Josh, give me an under the radar game. I'm going to go with Kirai the Duel. This is a small little card game from Lucky Duck. Well, Lucky Duck at least produced it. It is plastic cards where you're playing two samurais dueling each other. Very small card count, beautiful production, a nice velvet pouch with nice plastic cards. It's one of those fillers that I just love and tickles my fancy. You know, really good back and forth play, nice little mind game between the two people. Something to play in preparation for a good night or in between games with someone you can just chill around with. Or after a long day at the con and you just want to play a game with Scott before everything goes to crap. Aww. Will, you play lots of games. Which one's underrated? Well, Patrick took Lunar Rush from me. We mm-hmm. talked about Tales from the Red Dragon Inn, which I think not enough people are talking about. We talked about Kinfire Chronicles. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to say Catharsis. That Ooh, okay. is, yeah. it is just pure dice chucking, dice thrown meets too many bones style game and just chuck some dice and oh, die yeah. and not die. It's a delightful game. It was, it was actually my other honorable mention this year it it is a lot of fun and there's a lot of content out there so i'm gonna go with catharsis all right lord high chief dung collector what you got for us well mine is kind of an odd one here under the radar and that is obsession whoa hold on i'm calling hold up hold up wait 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 wait, we all like that game but get Get out of You are dethroned. You are now the assistant Lord High okay, Chief okay, Dung okay. Collector. Under the, the radar, everyone knows this. this game. Now, hold on. The reason I say this is, number one, whenever I was at PAX, I walked around with a friend of mine and his wife. He has a metric ton of games in his house. He had never heard of that game before. Well, he brought awesome. everything once we went up there. I have a friend that we went over just before New Year's Eve. She has a company, Critical Diversion, where she sends out games. She's a little game distributor. She's never heard of this game. All our friends there are big-time gamers. They have never heard of this game. So this is definitely 
an under the radar. Are game. they really your friends if they're not listening to your podcast, though? I was about to say, yeah, they're know, your friends and you love this game. It hurts. It hurts me. I trust me. But I taught them all how to play and now they love it. But it was something that I was shocked. The number of people that I thought played tons of games had never heard of this game. The screams that the people who can wield the force felt when you said that was louder than when Alderaan died. So I get the explanation. And yet I'm still curious, your 2023 game that's underrated, you're going to go with Obsession? Yes. Let's kick it over to Ryan under the radar. Sounds good. My under the radar game, and Will is wrong about this, it is Astronites. So Astronites is the spiritual successor to Aeon's Ends, which is probably my favorite deck builder. And in Astronites, you're com- cooperatively actually fighting a boss that is trying to destroy a homeworld. This can be randomized, or you can do the mini campaign mode, which has four chapters. And I completed them in two days because I was just so immersed into this game. The story is hilarious. I love it. It kind of feels Guardians of the Galaxy-ish. That's what you basically are. You're superheroes in space. You're building a deck to defeat the boss, and the turn order is decided by a six-card deck. In that deck, there are two boss cards, and then the other cards are based on the player count. And whenever it's your turn, uh, when that card flips over with your number, it's your turn. And one interesting thing about this game, which is very similar to Aeon's End, is that you never shuffle your deck. So if your deck runs out and you need to draw, you simply take your discard pile and flip it over. And so you can kind of manipulate what you draw and when. It is a wonderful, incredible game. It's very quick. It's easy to teach. I I played this yesterday at the board game meetup that I did. And I think everyone that we played with uh, enjoyed it thoroughly. But Astronites, not many people talk about. And I think it's because it came out really early in the year. And they also just released the expansion Kickstarter, which released just at the beginning. I got mine copy in, I think, on the 2nd of January. So I've already finished that. And it's it's just a wonderful game. That's under the radar to me, and that's Astronites. All right, boys, let's talk about a game that we didn't get the chance to play this year and we're super looking forward to. We can do a few, and we don't have to go into great detail. I'll list mine. I'm going to go with Hegemony because I keep hearing all these great things, though I will say I'm a little startled by the amount of uh, effort that it takes to get into this. It kind of gives me shades of like... Ryan, you'll recall I wanted John Company, second edition, and you actually found a copy, and you're like, here you go. Well, I was like, this thing is going to be amazing. And then I cracked the rule book. I'm sitting in my basement, and I spent like an hour reading, and I was like, this is just never going to get to the table. I don't have time for this. Closed the rule book, put the box on it, listed it for sale. And I feel like Hegemony is going to have maybe that problem for me as well. Funny thing, that, funny, thing, funny thing that you bring up, John Company, by the way, real quick. John Company, I bought from somebody about how many, how long ago was it? Like a, a year ago, almost two, almost two years ago. The person I bought it from is the person that is letting me borrow Hegemony right now. Well, good. Uh, You're going to bring that to Gen Con. Four of us are going to play it, and we all are going to learn how to play before we're there, and we're going to have old fashions. All right. I also put Earthborn Rangers on here because, you know what, I like the look of the game. I don't know much about it aside from what Will attested to earlier. I just like the look of it. It feels like something that I can sit and just play on my own and really enjoy a good solo experience. And finally, Kinfire Chronicles. Like I said, I already reached out to the uh, to the publisher. The game looks cool. The production looks amazing. Got all those little boxes with the adventures in there. I want to I want to grab those boxes with my finger and my thumb and I want to slide them out and I want to open the top of the box. I want to see what's in there. I want to play this thing. It's got me all fired up. That's Kinfire Chronicles. So Hegemony, Earthborn Rangers, Kinfire Chronicles. Josh, something you're looking forward to. 
So a couple of them really quickly. Um, the big one for me is Last Light, the 4X game from designer Roy Kennedy. It's 4X in an hour. I've been hearing mixed things about it, yep. to be perfectly clear. But it's something I still want to try. It's something I still want to get a table in just for the look of it and see if I like it personally. Mm-hmm. Next one is Dune Imperium Uprising. I have not played Dune Imperium yet, and I want to play it. And Scott's praising Uprising, so I figured, no, might as well maybe start there. I don't know. I still want to just play Dune Imperium. It gives me reason to talk about it. And lastly, Ticket to Ride Legends of the West. I love, 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 love Ticket to Ride. I'm starting to be a little more in love with legacy games. And so I'm more forgive. I, I want to try this one. I really want to get a table and play it. What it will, what are you looking forward to playing? Well, there's a couple. So those of you who have followed me for a while, you know, that wander the cult of Barnacle Bay is one of my favorite dungeon crawls. Oh yeah. Light, silly, ridiculous. The sequel is coming sometime hmm. this year. I'm very, it's called wander Le Clux revenge. And if you're thinking that's a monkey Island reference, you are correct. It's yes. a ghost. It's a ghost pirate chicken obviously nice. so yeah so i'm very excited about that i'm actually we're working on potentially doing a, a sponsored playthrough of the whole campaign on the channel so i just oh wow ah, just love it love it love it uh so there's that one obviously i mentioned beatrice the board game dog in catharsis yes thank you very much and then there's one called flame and fang which came from our friends from the one-stop co-op shop michael kelly and peter gooses designed it it is this game where it's a deck building adventure game where you are dragons just out of the out of the shell and you are adventuring you're eating monsters you're eating pigs and cows and it's really fun and then the last one i have on there i just calling it the secret project because skippy my brother has had two games have been signed recently one of them has been soft announced by dead alive games which is very cool the other one hasn't been announced anywhere but I've played it. I helped make the connection with the publisher. It is fantastic, and I cannot wait to see where it goes, what happens with it. I wish I could tell you more about it, but I can't. So I'm just going to say I also really want to play Imperial Spells and Steam because I haven't played it in over a year. <laughs> Fair enough. And now, 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 Scott. Yes. When we say games that you're looking forward to playing, we mean games that you're looking forward to playing, not games that you've played a lot or something weird like you did with Obsession. Okay, well, actually, I'm looking at this, and there was a typo in my doc, most looked forward to. So I'm like, most looked forward to? I was most looking forward to to do an Imperium Uprising. But I want to take that off. Last Light is one that I really am looking forward to. I want to try. I've seen so many things about it's a great 4 acts You can play in like 90 minutes. Very much excited to uh, check that game out. Kira I was one that I really looked forward to, and we got a chance to play it, and it did scratch that itch of exactly what I wanted that game to be. And I don't know if this can really fit in, because I don't remember when it was due out, and that's Sinjutsu. Mm, yeah, no, that's fair. That's so fair. looking forward to that. We still don't have I'm our boxes. looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're lucky they're really cool dudes yeah whenever i could have picked it up at pax and i'm still waiting for mine that happens they got to make them they got to make them ducats king all right so patrick what about yours or ryan <laughs> ryan ryan hey, how you doing scott you? all right 
Well, I have two of them. Uh, one of them is Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. So I know Will knows that I'm a fan of the Red Dragon Inn series of games. I've played plenty. The first one is pretty much get your opponents drunk or poor. And the last one, Standing Wins. And that's just the base game of Red Dragon Inn. It's a lot of fun. It's just a simple card game. Then they came out with Battle for Greyport, which turned those characters into actual combatants, and they fight enemy forces to protect their town. All in all, it was a good deck builder where you're cooperating with other people to defeat these invaders. Really good game, I thought of as well. And then I heard of the Tales of the Red Dragon Inn, and when I heard of this as a unique dungeon crawler with an amazing and hilarious story, I drastically turned into search mode. I've been looking for this game. But I guess it's just so good that people don't want to sell it because I can't find a seller of this game anywhere. So my search continues, but man, this this game is on my radar and I'm definitely looking forward to playing this. The other game that I would like to talk about is probably one that has some of the most gorgeous art on the front of the box. And this is Evenfall. Evenfall wasn't on the list that we were just went over, but it's definitely one of the games that came out in 2023 that people do enjoy. It has a lighter weight. It seems to be a tableau builder. I don't know too much about it. I know it's like multi-use cards and like you chain things together, but I haven't played it. I just know I liked it based on the art and based on the gameplay and what they told me of the game that was playing next to me. It seems like a game that I would really enjoy. A lighter version of it, but it seems nice. It has to do with witches, which is pretty cool too. But either way, uh, even fall is my second one that I wanted to try to play. All right, gentlemen, break out the flagpole. You're about to stick it in the ground. Your favorite game from 2023. I'm going to kick it off with Ticket to Ride Legends of the West. This is everything that I want it to be. It's good classic Ticket to Ride with variables introduced with each time you finish a game. Something new is introduced. We're not even through our campaign entirely, and I can't wait to see how it ends. I'm loving it. Can't wait to do the full 8-bit breakdown with Lena in a couple weeks. That's uh, For me, that's the number one. Josh, what's your favorite from 2023? This was hard. I'm not going to lie. and I had a You really don't play bad. a whole lot of new stuff. I, I was about to say you only played six games. I, yeah, yeah. What, what game do you did you crap on the least? Fair enough. Oh, oh man, fair enough. I think the best game of 2023 is Sea Salt and Paper. I okay. really loved this small little card game that I can play anywhere I want. Thunder Road Vendetta and Stuff of Legend were very close behind it, but due to the just just the base game and the reason that I think those other two games are a little bit more fragile than Sea Salt and Paper, I'm going to plant my flag. Great little card game, great set collection, good filler, going to be with me for a very long time. Sea Salt and Paper. William, I was going to say it, but okay, fine. Wow, that was aggressive there, Josh. It's, you know, it's more aggressive with all those knives behind you. Uh, it, it's got to be Tales from the Red Dragon Inn. It was my game of the year. It won my game of the year. It's great. It's fantastic. Lots of great games this year, but that's number one. And Dang. what do you have to say? Is it Obsession? Oh, nope. my God. My number one has got to be Dune Imperium Uprising. I didn't want it to be. I was angry that they were rebooting this game, but it just checked all the boxes and made it even better. I love that game. Dune Imperium Uprising. So and ever- Ryan... So ever since I started in this podcast, you may already know my favorite game of 2023. I've not stopped talking about this game ever since I first started playing it, uh, which was on Tabletop Simulator in an official mod about three years ago. And it finally arrived to backers quite early this year, sometime in January. And even though it took a long time and most backers fell off the boat because of that, I kept my hope strong and my passion for it alive until it came out. And I have to say that Simone Luciani and Nestore Mangone really hit it out of the park sent that ball flying all the way to the Galapagos Islands when they made the masterpiece that I call 
Darwin's journey. And I think everyone else calls it Darwin's journey too. Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so this point salad combo tastic bowl of goodness just hits all the right buttons for me. It's a worker placement game. You're increasing your power and accessibility of your workers by adding wax seals to them of various colors. Depending on how many of those colors you have, you could empower the actions that you take. Each action is very meaningful. It can combo into many other things, resources, movements on the map, points, and speaking of the map board, I strongly suggest the Fireland expansion. You may want to try the base game first, but granted, once you finish that game, jump into another game immediately with this expansion because it enhances the game so much. There's just so much to this game, the variety in this game, the expansion. That means you just never play the same game twice. I played it dozens of times. I never get tired of it. And if you're someone that feels that your tastes align with mine a little bit, then don't sleep on this if you haven't played it yet. Darwin's Journey. Best game of 2023, in my opinion. Well, it's a little hard to sleep on. What? A it's a box. It's yeah. a box. You shouldn't sleep on it. Right. Oh. Womp womp. Continue. Ew. You know, they can't all be winners. <laughs> well, hey, Adventures, that's a list of about 50 of the best games of 2023. So if you're calibrating the list, there's something that you missed. Hopefully that gives you an idea of what's out there. Explorer Josh, Dung Merchant, Will Brown, and Teacher Ryan. Guys, thanks so much for joining Scott and I for this episode. It's been a blast. Thanks for having us. And uh, it's great to see uh, both of you, Will and Josh, again. It's been a while and uh, can't wait to see you guys again. It's just been too long. That's right. Hegemony. Hegemony. Yes. Hegemony. Hegemony. Josh, you can you can come tell us how it's terrible. Okay. I'm not even going to be at Gen Con, so you could. Yeah, I'll tell you from a distance how terrible it is. Well, King, <laughs> it's always a blast, man. You feeling better? I am feeling better. Yes, yes. Definitely uh, an uptick from uh, the last time we were going to record. So uh, on the mend. Adventures. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, it's all about Dune Imperium Uprising. Fair warning. It's mostly me talking. Next week, it's going to be King and I back in action. And hey, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, check out January 28th. We're going to be at SCG Hobby in Latrobe. Free game day. We're going to be there from 12 o'clock until 6 o'clock. Free food. We're going to have board games to give away. We're going to have a blast out there. Going to be a good time. Till next time, King. Later, Patrick. Oh, man, I forgot to hit record. We got to start over. Yeah, funny. I saw that. Thank you, adventurers, for joining us for this episode of the Level Up Board Game Podcast. We encourage all adventurers to check out our website at levelupgamepodcast.com. That's where you can submit your thoughts and audio to be used in a future episode. Please consider rating us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and join the Board Game Geek Guild, Guild 3722. Music for the podcast provided by Adam Haynes and the Heatley Brothers. And remember, whether in hobby or in life, always do what you can to level up.